twisting, turning further from my home. Beyond, like a new moon rising, fierce through the rain and lightning, wandering out into this great unknown. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't survive. Recording this on Veterans Day, and we would like to send a special shout out to all the men and all the women of the military. I respect each and every one of you, because quite frankly, I'm not taking my black ass over there for shit, wherever that may be. But all, all all jokes aside, though, seriously, everybody, we thank each and every one of you for your service, especially those that aren't here under the sound of my voice to hear what I'm saying. You made the ultimate sacrifice, and we, seriously, all jokes aside, appreciate each and every one of you. So happy Veterans Day to all the vets out there. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Pod is War. Pod is War is brought to you by the good folks at ChairShot Radio Network in conjunction with... TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And use your heads, we shall. We ask of you. We implore of you. Quite frankly, we insist. It is the holiday season. You know you got a wrestling fan in your life. And if you're listening to this show, guess what? It's probably you. So treat yourself. 2020 been a mother farmer, man. Why don't you do something nice for yourself? And at the same time, help out your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and picking up an official Chair Shot t-shirt. We've got something for everybody. We've got Save Tag Team Wrestling, Hashtag Journalism, my favorite, Jesus Did the Job, which quite frankly is the reason for the season. We got Platt Blast 2020, which, okay, this wasn't our year, but 2024, it looms, folks. It looms, and we'll be right back like we left something. If <laughs> go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot, please and thank you, thank you, and please. I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt. As always, I'm joined by Andrew Belaz and the Commissioner PC Tunney. And gentlemen, um, I guess we'll just get it out the way. I, I do have a bit of an announcement to make. I, I haven't said this to, I haven't even told my family this. Well, my brother, but it just so happens that we were talking today. But um. Amber and I, we did recently test positive for the uh, corona. So, yes, I've got the rona. That's a thing. Yeah, it happened. That's horrible. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got to come clean. That's not fair otherwise. Okay, this is like the seventh time we've started the show. We've literally had this conversation already. The recorder's fucked up. And his plan's making his announcement that he's had corona. We've already had like this heartfelt conversation about 25 minutes ago. And I couldn't help but like sit here and be like, I'm pointing out like, you got rona. But I mean, they're fine. That's why I was doing it. So it's it's actually probably funnier this way. 
Um, but but the but corona, coronavirus is no laughing matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was great. At the, it's no laughing matter, man. Like I'm making a joke, but don't do it. It's serious, man. It's like thanks, Tommy Chong. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, you know what? In the words of Dave Chappelle, the Lauren Michaels, I thought we were making a comedy show here. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we're we're fine. Trust, yeah, we're we're fine. The worst is over. We'll be fine, and we'll be off of quarantine by this Sunday. So yeah, everything's good. Oh, that's good at least. So, yeah. There we go. And you know what? You know, with the whole 2020 campaign that you were talking about, we don't know where we finish though, because you know there's gonna be recounts in at least five different states. We're not gonna know who actually won this melon farmer until like Christmas. So it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. Maybe so, we'll, we'll make a comeback. Can you imagine? Can you, can you there's a chance. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Can you even imagine? What it would be like if the election was overturned in Trump's favor? Can you imagine what would happen in this country? Could you imagine? We were all alive in 2000, so yes. Gore thought he won the election for the about a month before Florida's like, oh no, we're blind and we hit too many buttons wrong. Whoops. Gore, Gore, Gore technically had Florida, and then they they did it. They challenged it, and yeah, went went Bush. You know what? I feel like this is uh, the boy who cried wolf type of scenario. Because I, I truly do believe I truly do believe that the Democrats fleece this shit. And there's some screwy shit going on somehow. But nobody gives a shit. Because Trump has been acting like a petulant child for the last four years. So it's like even, okay, you probably are right on this. It's probably some screwy shit. But nobody gives a shit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It, it's the typical logic generally speaking that we've had with twitter where you know it's not right to pick on people unless that person picks on somebody then you you rake them over the coals so if you act like a dick you're gonna get picked on no one's gonna give a fuck but you know just don't pick on the person we like kind of thing so i get it there, there's fucked up things on both sides like it, it's just the same fucking thing like no it nobody is. really wins here we're all no. gonna be in the same shit it's just yeah. a different fucking, you know, political party in charge. And they're not even really in charge. The they're fucking not in charge. The president's the... a fucking figurehead. He makes no decisions himself. No. He's so the, the... He, he or she is the CEO of a corporation known as the United States of America. And frankly, okay, Biden won, but the, the Republicans are going to control the Senate. So he, you know, even if he did want to do some shit, he ain't going to get no shit done. That's just kind of how this works. Nobody's well, gonna get going anything to get anything done. All right, listen. I didn't mind the first of, three you know, times. I didn't mind the first three times we did the talking before topic number one when it was mostly about coronavirus and drunk driving. I'm not sitting here going to listen to you guys talk about politics. So change the subject or let's talk wrestling. I like I like how discussing different times we all drove drunk was wrong, and then it ended with a uh, kids. Don't do what we did. Do as we say was better than somehow discussing politics. That's fantastic. But you know, there are gonna to... there are gonna be some people listening to this podcast that are gonna say, "Man, I wish I could have heard the driving drunk stories instead of the talk about politics." Oh, good that they can actually tell us on Twitter and respond, and then maybe that could be bonus content. If and we reopen a Patreon or just and, do an extra show of Pot is War, the Drunk Ears, or some shit like that. Yeah, and, drunk and, stories, yeah. And before Christopher Platt tells you all about ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and we get into topic number one, let me just say all of those of you who think that, I am not, that I'm taking coronavirus uh, in a joking manner, I, I, I'm not. 
it was just something that happened between three friends and if you you're mad at me then go ahead and hate hate tweet me at phenomenal ajb <laughs> but no so all jokes aside man we really did have this whole heartfelt 15 20 minute conversation that spiraled from corona to drunk driving and telling people not to drunk drive but we, we you can't recreate shit like that man it's unfortunate you just had to be there apparently on to the next topic the first topic the whatever topic we've done this like a again. topic Meg. <laughs> Why, why, why are you tugging on your your oh, I, your hoodie, I thought, sir? I thought you, you were gonna lead us in with a pro wrestling tease, flash the chair shot, quick promo. I mean, he did say that already in the beginning. Hence, why we went with the Plat Belez campaign. Yeah, did you miss it? Yeah, yeah. Did where you, were you? Did you drink at this time? I thought you'd yeah. do one more quick one. No. I mean, we we could just if we want to plug something. I'm pretty sure somebody likes to plug a place that has stickers. No, no, no. He's setting me up here. Say that again, Tony. Tony. All right. Here, I'll set you up. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. So it really was a promo for that. Right, gentlemen 10 plus minutes in and we are still recording and that is a good thing oh, i don't want to start over again yeah i'm sure people are going to get comfortable with that soon speaking of the elite yeah okay let's just here this is going to be a rough one tonight i have a feeling i we tried to start an hour early it sounds like we're going to get that an hour late but platt's got a bu- go ahead platt play the button is my last word. No! All right, and now it's going to say something stupid different next, right? Go ahead. No! All right, that's what you're in store for the rest of the evening, <laughs> folks. So, full gear. The Elite had quite the evening. Kenny Omega will finally get his AEW Heavyweight Championship shot. It'll be against John Moxley. The Young Bucks are now AEW Tag Team Champions. They beat the Revival. No. That's true. That happened. Darby Darby <laughs> Allen's TNT champion. Uh, uh, what did you guys think of the pay per view, and what do you think of the storylines moving forward from this pay per view? Honestly, gentlemen, I think this is probably the best AEW pay per view they've done in quite a while. It's it's clearly their best show in 2020, but up and down the card, I thoroughly enjoyed this show. I mean. The opening match left something to be desired with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. I expected a little more from that, but we know where they're going. And it's clearly going to be Omega that upseeds uh, Johnny Moxley for the AEW title. We see where that's going. Uh, FTR versus the Bucks. I liked it. I didn't love it. Maybe I need to go back and watch it again and you know see why everybody's going cuckoo for Coco Puss over it. But it was cool for what it was. I really enjoyed Darby Allen versus Kobe. I thought Kobe, Jesus Christ, versus Cody. 
Can can I stop now? Cause can I can I energy can we can I take a sidestep for a half a minute? Sure. Please do. So all right. hold on, hold on, hold on. N O no. Alright, I'm glad we're setting a precedent of ignoring that. Um <laughs> Saturday Night Live, we mentioned it a little bit on the first couple times we tried to start the show. I think this is the fourth time we started the show. <laughs> we're well past any point we had been in the show, okay? So it, we were going to play, uh, the Foo Fighters had their song Shame, 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 I think it's called, that they did their first musical performance this weekend. Uh, Dave Chappelle hosted the show, introduced them. That was going to be our open. We decided to switch it up um, and, and, and switch the show around and pay tribute right away. But, oh, I just forgot what I was talking about. You said all of that no and there's no payoff? Seriously? What were, what were you talking about before I started? Full I was the thing you threw into, with, you know, Darby and Kobe. You know that that that's who he was talking about. I guess oh, if you man. put Cody and Darby together, they are Kobe. Like there we go. You can put no, the this, letters together. I didn't. Nothing. He did not, not Kobe Bryant, but you could put the letters together to make Kobe, Darby, Cody, Kobe. Kobe beef. What are you talking about? Maybe what? it's expensive beef. It gets dry if there's not enough of it. Though. You need to know how to cook that shit. Touche. That's what? true. <laughs> there we go. It's a cooking show, Tony. Get the fuck with it. Oh, man. This is really disappointing. I was going somewhere. I was going somewhere. And the alternator just quit. And the music went out. And, yeah, well, and we got we to didn't a stop. sidetrack you either. Yeah. That's the best fucking part to this whole situation. We actually shut up for a change. It's crazy. I was driving along, and all of a sudden the music cut out, and then the headlights went out, and then I got to a stop sign, and when I was idling, the whole car went out. The idea was gone. Suddenly, your car just turns into Johnny Five. He's like, "No disassemble." <laughs> I mean, we, we be we were quiet. We shut up. We didn't Guys, interrupt. We get only... the whole lane. And I know. He set it up I like appreciate. He was it. I did. Like I had something really good, and I appreciate you even stretching humanity. it out so that I might figure it out right now. But I'm not. But we're only 14 and a half minutes in. You want to start over again? <laughs> no, I, I think the best part is we gave him the whole lane. Ugh. Say, hit the button. Okay. And this is the whole, uh, th- th- wouldn't you say this is exactly the definition of stay in your lane? Oh, you know what? I remember. I remember now. I remember now. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. I don't remember. A LeVar Ball reference reminded you of anything, really? That's, that's low, man. Oh, I got that somewhere. You're going to have to wait for so, it. So, full gear. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I, I guess we'll start talking about a topic and then we'll go back and forth. I agree with you more or less that Full Gear was the best show in a while for AEW, but Revolution was still their best uh, best pay-per-view in 2020. That happened like right before quarantine kicked in when Hangman and Omega and the, the Bucks had their big match and oh, was that the um the football stadium match? Was that that? I believe that was. Yes. That was a, yeah, that was the only good show in that match was the stadium stampede in in my humble opinion. No, no, no. That's different. The um, no I, way. Yeah, that was. What yeah. Was that was, that, was that double or nothing? That had the stadium. I, now I they actually all have to together, man. I don't know. Bunch of indie flipping melodies. I just remember I liked AEW's Revolution a lot more this year. Like can a we get, lot. Can, I, can I'm we props to, to uh, Matt Hardy and uh, Sammy Guevara. I, I'm, I'm just here for anything. It was funny as fuck. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed what it was, but it was still cinematic. It's just like every deletion thing they did. 
And I love all of them. Like, I'm just here for anything in the Hardy right. universe. They so can do no wrong with my was Pac versus Orange Cassidy, Moxley versus Jericho, mm. MJF beat okay. Cody, Omega and Page beat the Young Bucks, Darby versus Sammy Guevara. That one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that was a decent show. That that was. That was a good show. I, I was a little, yeah, I'm not going to go back and rehash that show because it seems like a lifetime ago. Hell, we had a different president when that show happened, I think. You don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna be recast till Christmas. So well, you know. I, think. I mean, you won't. Joe Biden won't be president until January, though. The, like they almost the end of January. And Nevada's probably still counting anyway, so it's all right. I so, think just still counting too. It's, but I don't know. Like it was a good show. I agree that Omega Page left something to be desired because there was a lot of story you could have told, and instead it was just a good indie match with a couple high spots and not a lot of two former teammates that kind of had a falling out like there there was a story and it went nowhere Darby and Cody was the best match on that card to me like it told a great story pacing was nice Darby sold selling is a major fucking thing they don't do in AEW and Darby sold the shit out of that arm like he made his comeback with one arm he did the drop kicks though though I think Excalibur had the bonehead fucking comment of the night where just because you have a bad arm doesn't mean your legs don't work or some shit like that. I'm like, no shit! It's not like he's Lieutenant Dan. Like, you know, you work on an arm, you still got legs. What the fuck are we talking about here? Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs! But yeah, so FTR Bucks was not that good. Like, you're right, I liked it, but it, it insisted upon itself a little bit, went a little long, and that finish was flat. Like, the, the kick, I get it was with a bad ankle. It was supposed to show him kind of overcoming the injury, and the FTR beat themselves, leaving their feet and going for the 450. I get it, I get it. But it missed a couple beats to actually sell the story hard. Uh, Sheeta and Nyla Rose was awful. The the fucking uh, Serena Deeb, Allison K match on the buy-in was better. And we got a little bit of a promo cut because we saw fucking uh, Thunder Rosa showed up on the buy-in to, I guess, demand her rematch, so that was good. Um, Moxley and Kingston was what it was. Like, it was alright. Like, I didn't love it. I thought it was a little lame, and I know I at least saw in the circles I was in, people went apeshit over the fact that Kingston came out in Misawa colors. This is a hardcore match, folks. Kingston also looks like he's been drinking too many beers, and he's about as technical as, I don't know, Play-Doh. And you want to fucking pay homage to Misawa in a hardcore match where he wasn't known as a hardcore guy. He was known as a high-flying technical wrestler. And you just think putting colors on is somehow fucking special. No one gives a shit. It doesn't work with your character. If you're supposed to be this tough motherfucker from New York, why are you dressing up like a bootleg-looking fucking Green Ranger or in just passing it off as, no, nah, this is Misawa. I'm, I'm paying homage to the four pillars of heaven. Fuck you, dude. Like, you can barely wrestle. You can talk, sure. But you wrestle worse than most people I've seen in the indies. So shut the fuck up, eat some barbed wire, and, you know, do do your fucking gimmick spot. Have a nice time. Like, why does he do that? Why does he have to insist on bringing up these homage things when he's not the character that can actually pay that off? So we go back and forth about Eddie Kingston. We all three of us agree that he can talk his ass off, which that's rare in today's, uh, you know, field of professional wrestling. But, Andrew, you're from Jersey, dude. You know that guy. You know Eddie Kingston. And that guy will 
fuck you up. Am I am am, am I wrong for that? Old Japanese wrestling to me. That's no, how no, this. No. Answer, answer, answer my question. That guy if, won't fuck somebody up. Oh, there's plenty of dudes in Jersey that'll fuck people up. It's Jersey and New York kind of area. I'm talking about that Puerto Rican dude that talk cash money shit that look like Eddie Kingston and walk around in his wife beater. He will fuck you up. Am I wrong about that? Well, then he'll get his ass kicked because he won't shut the fuck up. So it's one of those things where he'll beat like the first guy and then he'll end up with his head in the fucking trash can <clears throat> after the next two. Let so me... that's who he is. So yeah, that's just that's my major issue because he starts bringing up all these old Japanese wrestlers for no fucking reason. He's got no reason putting that in there. Pac, if he was to pay homage to Dynamite Kid, that makes fucking sense. Their styles are similar, all that other shit. What the fuck? So so let what me just Puerto let, Rico, let me just tell girl. everybody. Let me just tell everybody real so quick. <laughs> let me just tell everybody real quick. The dog that barks the loudest isn't necessarily the one you need to be afraid of. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. I didn't know the C in PC stood for Confucius, motherfucker. Thank you. <laughs> CMF, so CMF, CMF Tunny. It's different to it too, right? CMF Tunny. I'm, I'm changing it. I'm changing it. CMF Tunny. CMF Tunny. Yeah, there you go. CMF Tunny. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, no, you're going to start with CMFT next week now from the Corey Taylor thing, right? Fucking Confucius motherfucking Tunny, and then you're going to do the Corey motherfucking Taylor song that he did for his singles fucking album a couple months ago. Confucius! Network. Thank you all for tuning in to the Confucius Radio Network. <laughs> you that was good. <laughs> Oh, say it, oh, say it, say it. It's three letters. Say uh, it. CMF. Two of them are the same. They begin and end the word. No, no, no. A thousand times, no. You won't say it for me. Let me let me ask you guys a question though. That's seriously, bullshit. um. About it, 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 yeah, because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So, uh, regarding the elite, so, oh, Bob, B.O.B., bombs over Baghdad. Oh, three no, letters. I said pop. Uh, pop. I was waiting for you to pop. Oh, pop. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Pop. Oh, whatever. There you go, pop. Oh. Oh. Pop. Pop. But seriously, though, let me ask you guys a question, man, regarding the elite, because they clearly made a uh, executive decision not to put themselves over when AEW first started and now with the Bucks getting the tag titles with Omega probably going to be the guy to absurd Johnny, I was about to call his ass Johnny Bravo it doesn't matter, Johnny Bravo <laughs> Johnny Bravo <laughs> do, do you guys think that they made the right decision because I don't know it was a now. Now, to be fair, it was an impossible decision to make because if they would have put themselves over strong early in the development of AEW, they would have caught backlash for that. Like, oh, you're putting yourselves over. They chose the opposite direction. They tried to put everybody else over, and now they're coming back to put themselves over. Honestly, I think it was a tactical mistake because I think you needed to establish who your guys were first. You 
were operating under the assumption that people already knew who you were and that people saw y'all as stars. But I mean, it, again, it was an impossible decision. They would have been wrong either way they chose. I just think they chose poorly. What do you guys think? And did anything I say make any sense whatsoever? No, it did. And I think they chose wrong with the tags because Jericho, first champion, was completely right. He was the bigger name. He was the draw. He's the TV person. Let him be the draw for a couple months. That's fine. The tags, though, like the fact it was nice to see SCU get it initially, but where the fuck are they now? Like, I'm pretty sure there's some people that don't know SCU held the belts to start with, and that's fucking sad. So if you started with the Young Bucks and then had them kind of build up the tag division, that would work towards the group that they already have. They've already had, like, the same, what, 700 to 1 million at max kind of kind of people. So that hasn't changed regardless of who they've put over and who's been main eventing a show or main eventing a pay-per-view. So they have the crowd. So putting the Elite over now makes no sense because you're pandering to people that are already watching. If you put them over to begin with, and then now you're bringing up new people or bringing up maybe names that you got off of a WWE waiver wire or whatever the fuck you want to call it, then that could bring in new eyes because it's people that people know or people that, you know, are getting excited because they're like, oh, Darby's new, Orange Cassidy's new, Pac, that name is new to some people but people might still recognize him as a WWE guy. So it should have been, with the exception of Jericho, Omega. maybe Omega should have taken it off him six months later. But Elite should have went over first, built everybody up, and now you'd start to see the lesser-known indie guys or the ones that came from ROH, AAA, Impact, you know, all that other stuff, them getting the rub now. And then so- working their way back down and then back up. So, so Tony, I, I want to get you in here as well to get your opinion. But before that, I just want to say, I feel as if Cody got it right. He got himself over with this audience, and now he tried to use his overness to make a new star at this He's last. The uh, only interview. one that's gotten this shit right in the last year. Like, I think I even said it in my review. Like, I may not like AEW that much, but Cody, Cody's been pretty good. All the best stories have gone through Cody. All the best matches, when it comes to storytelling, have gone through Cody. Like, you could tell he paid attention when Dusty talked, but the company in general is still hard to watch. Tony? It is what it is. I mean, it's early still. I I disagree with Andrew. I think that the first champion should have beaten Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho should have been the second champion. Why not tune in to Chase to watch the person you know Chase for the title, Right. Just like I think it's a good way to get Jericho out of the inner circle right now with MJF. Jericho's going to go do some stuff for a while, I would imagine, at some point here when the Rona lifts. It's a good way to turn him face. Um, I don't know. It's AEW. I I don't... There's other companies that if they had the money behind them that they do would would be much better equipped to challenge WWE with the people they have involved with writing storylines and things of that nature... I just, I just don't know that having active wrestlers completely running an organization is, is a viable concept for a multi-million dollar corporation in AEW. If Don Callis had a, a book and a bankroll, that'd be the best wrestling company in the world right now. Like, 
you said it before. Did did what I say make sense? Yes. No, mm-hmm. I, I feel what you say. I disagree with your Jericho point because I think he he's the biggest star that you have. He's been on TV for the last 25 years consistently, not just in a wrestling capacity. So he has to be your first champion because you have to establish that belt as a big deal. Because and people want to see Jericho, Jericho, right? Because people want to see Jericho. Right? It, it, I mean, frankly... Well, then I, they're going to tune in to see Jericho and the soon. guy who beat him. And then they're going to tune in to see him beat that guy who beat him. I feel like they took the belt off Jericho too soon. I, I think he should still be the champion. He should have had that belt for like a year and just mowed down opponents. And then the guy that finally beat him for the title would have been made. Similar to what Cody just did with Darby Allin. He just tried to make a new star. Yeah, I'm with Chris on that one with the Jericho point. Like, I think we talked about that when All Out was happening. Or we did. Whichever, with the we did. Double or Nothing or All Out, whichever one it was that they crowned the champion. And I definitely like the concept of putting it on the established name especially since he was already establishing himself as a heel and heels don't chase well so it'd be nicer to have the the smug cocky brash bravado jericho as le champion and and you know that guy to start with because you already know his gimmick you already know his name and then build up a face but instead of doing that they just threw moxley into it and it's like okay that's that brings us to now so yeah yeah so long and short to answer your question, I think more of the elite should have held the belts early, and they should be working their way down now instead of back up. Mm-hmm. I agree, and shout out to Moxley. I love Moxley. He's a hell of a promo. His matches just ain't shit. I, I mean, I guess you know hindsight's always the best vision. When it but when it comes to um, the Shield members, Mox, I love you, bro, but uh, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. I mean, it's, he's basically Memphis Bleak. He's, he, you know what I mean? He, I thought you were done. My bad. Go ahead. I thought you were wrapping it up. No, go ahead. Say something I, I, really. I know, I know. Say no, something I, really I, cool I, to end it again. Go ahead. Pressure's on. Can you do it? All right. All right. John Moxley is Memphis Bleak, and for those that know, uh, you know, late '90s, early 2000s hip hop, Memphis Bleak was supposed to be Jay Z's heir apparent, and for whatever reason, he had all the talent in the world, but it so just never hit. He's O Town. That's Mox. Say it again. He's O Town. No. <laughs> all right, we'll go to commercial now. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com
Ladies and gentlemen, the picture has gotten oh so much clearer as we head towards Wrestle Kingdom. You get a title shot, you get a title shot, and it doesn't seem like it's such a struggle to get a shot at the power, Andrew, if you know what I mean. I see what you did there. That wasn't too bad. But, yeah, I'm not a big fan of how all that fell out. So it was very cool to see Jay White do the make history and be the first person to ever defeat the G1 briefcase holder in 12 years since they've done the briefcase kind of gimmick. And then just because Naito retained in a, you know, straight up just shit match against Evil and Jay White had a moment where he faked turning on Evil or kicking him out of Bullet Club, however that would have worked, and went after Naito and Ibushi made the save. Naito plays babyface pretty well, and he uh, decides to grant Ibushi the first shot at his belt, or his belts, uh, for Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th, because because Jay White made it very clear that he wanted January 5th as his day, and he wanted January 4th off, because, you know, he's special now, because he's got the briefcase, but... I wonder if Naito did... Now that I just said those words, I wonder if Naito did it as a dig on Jay, just so Jay didn't feel as special. But Jay doesn't seem to matter. Jay, de, Jay doesn't seem to mind because Naito's got an extra match. Naito's wrestling the day before his match. Tires him out. Who cares? Jay wins either way. You know what I mean? It's a tired a tired opponent. I mean, I if what the one thing I don't understand, because it looks like either... Naito could come away just looking like a million bucks beating both guys in two nights, which I think is highly unlikely. But to me, it looks like Jay White's going to win this thing and beat a fatigued Naito. What what happens to Ibushi here? I, I don't understand. Like, he, he wins the G1, and now he's just been led to believe he's going to be the guy... And it's not happening for him. I mean, isn't that part of the story here? Like, why why don't they believe in him enough to let him get the big victory at Wrestle Kingdom? Well, the great thing I mean, about if we're headed, New Japan if we're headed was down that, that path, it wasn't sorry. Western. And the more and more they kind of acquiesce to this Western-style booking, y'all can't hear me? Nobody can hear me? No, I can. No, you're fine. I was okay, just looking cool. at Andrew. Oh, so you're just fucking with me? Okay, cool. But the more and more they acquiesce to this Western style booking, the more the the less and less I, I like New Japan. I mean, this is some Western Chairshot.com. Always use your head. That's if I wanted to fuck with you. Yeah, ghetto. Use your head, ghetto. Please figure something else out. I mean, you you could have got to this scenario a billion different ways, and you chose literally the worst possible way and this seems to be and this isn't just new japan just wrestling in general when we know where they're going they they tend to choose the worst possible way to get there or is is that just me it's it's hard to jump off the boat though to be honest because ghetto has kind of proven 
over the last few years that as soon as you start doubting him or thinking it's too Western or it's bullshit or it's too obvious, he does something to kind of mix it up or it pays itself off in a in a month or two or possibly three. And you look at the Naito thing where everybody was up in arms that he lost the evil and then he won it back at the baseball stadium. So, you know, it, it was okay. Naito got another rain in there. He's still looking good. He's still more or less dominating 2020. That was just a blip kind of kind of on the radar so are you co-signing this bullshit or are you just being a contrarian to be contrary? i like this more than the possibility of there being a triple threat because that would be bullshit for two reasons the first reason being i don't like when japanese wrestling companies kind of do the multi-man thing because it's not something they do and they like to keep it more traditional and New Japan doesn't really have great triple threats for main titles. Like, the last one we remember also involved Ibushi, and it was Ibushi, Cody, and Kenny, and that was not a good match. And Ibushi looked kind of lost at different points, and it was just it was just awkward. So, I Nobody rather... likes to fight their lover, Andrew. Yeah, but which one was the lover? That's the whole point. Ah, see? Anyway. <laughs> so, I think, I think if some of the little breadcrumbs are kind of leading to a direction. Ibushi talked about Sonata after their finals, and he said something along the lines of he doesn't think Sonata fits LIJ, and he'd be better, you know, with with Hantai, which is like the non-affiliated New Japan kind of wrestling babyface group. And he said something about in the match it wasn't Sonata capitalized with the, the American kind of letters. It was more Seiya Sonata, which is Sonata's actual name and his initial gimmick that he won the X Division title with and that he wrestled in All Japan with. So I'm curious because Sonata was also the one that made the initial save during the Evil match and then Ibushi makes the save with Jay. I'm curious if LIJ is just going to blow up next year and Sonata and Ibushi maybe become a team because Ibushi's also looking for a new teammate because Tanahashi's, you know, out to pasture. He's too old. He can't really do it. And we saw him not being able to do it when he couldn't even beat Kenta and actually quit. He gave up. Something Tanahashi doesn't do often. As of last, what, was it last year, two years ago, since Corona's got me all retarded? Like, Minoru Suzuki literally had his leg, like, behind his head and was wrenching on that knee and Red Shoes had to stop the match because Tanahashi wouldn't quit. Fast forward to now and Tanahashi gives up to a cross face. So Tanahashi's obviously not got it anymore. He's towards the back nine of his career and Ibushi needs somebody new. Could be Sonata. That could be the way they go with Sonata turning on Naito to go with Ibushi and then Ibushi and Sonata retain over Jay White and the Bullet Club. That's cool. And, I mean, let me say this, man. I'm not looking forward to the Naito-Abushi match, even though those are two of my favorite wrestlers to watch actually wrestle in the world. Because you don't want to watch next break? Say it again. You don't want to watch next break? No! I don't. <laughs> you you, you got to step to my point there, but we make it the same point. No, I don't want to watch these guys try to break each other's necks. I just don't. But if you're gonna have the match, why not headline your biggest show with that match? I don't. I, I know that Jay White's been getting a huge push in New Japan for you know the last few years, but this just seems very convoluted and it seems like bullshit. I kind of like where Tunney's going 
where it sets up where okay yeah, Naito had that hard match versus Bushi, so maybe he's a little tender going into the Jay White match, and maybe that gives Jay White an excuse to win. I just, I just don't like how we've gotten there. No, I agree with you, and I'm I'm not a fan of it either. But like I said, I'm I like this more than a triple threat, not by much, because it does cheapen the G1, it cheapens the briefcase, it cheapens the contra, it cheapens that whole mystique. Where if you win this and keep it because you beat the people that beat you, then you earn this. And now it turns into, well, even if you lose it, if, you know, if you've got two days and the champion's got a free day, fuck it, you, you get a pity match. So it's, it's, a little, it's a little stupid to me that I assume is going to get paid off somewhere, and I'm thinking it's going to be a big swerve with Ibushi because it just, it seems, it seems too obviously stupid to not have something. I want Vince to trade Miz to New Japan for, like, Jay White technically has the the briefcase right now or the option, right? How horrible would it be, the ultimate non-New Japan wrestler, the Apple, the, the bizarro world New Japan wrestler, the Miz, comes in with a Money in the Bank briefcase and beats Naito for the title. The ultimate non-soft actually... soft style. They just call him soft style. It's just king of soft style. I'm here for that, actually. Like, like WWE wouldn't know what to do with Jay White, but I'm here for what you just oh, said. Let's what do you do mean it. they Fuck wouldn't it. know what to do with Jay White? Every time you stutter? watch a Jay, Ma- yeah. every time you watch a Jay White match, don't you he, get Triple H vibes? Jay White would he have Jay White would have Triple a match H 43 minutes 2000s. into NXT every night defending the Cruiserweight Championship. No, <laughs> yes. no. Yes. no, because I know you. Yes. I think you tried to equate Seth Rollins to like a Triple H a couple probably like a month or so ago because we took a few weeks off Jay White is the current thing closest to Triple H that we have from like the 2000 no Chris equated Seth Rollins not you Tony yeah he's talking about me and it's definitely Jay White with the methodical pacing the technically solid even though he kind of sticks to the same couple same couple moves a little bit of the same kind of pattern but everything he does is very cerebral, very methodical. And then he's always got that Cheshire Cat shit-eating grin. And he, you, you just want to fucking hit him in the face. But he's a little too clever. And even when he gets caught, he laughs it off. Like, he is so much of that prototypical, like, Triple H late 90s, early 2000s that he would fit in perfectly in WWE in Bizarro World. And why wouldn't Miz fit in New Japan? We've got Yano. Well, number one, he doesn't speak the language, so that's going to hurt him a little bit. I mean, he barely speaks French, and he's still begged Maurice. Well, it's different. She speaks English. Barely. You've watched their show. Come on. Eh, she speaks enough. She's blonde. <laughs> and he's rich. It works. <laughs> no, I'm not... I'm not... Touching the rest of that. That's fine. I'm good. Are we ready to move? I got a couple of thoughts. I'm just not. No, no. Are we, just, are we moving on off of that one? I think we could. Yes. Why? Why not just do you know the January fourth show, the rubber match between Abushi and Jay White, and then the winner goes on to fight Naito on January fifth. I'm not a booker. I've never booked, but go go ahead, Drew. Jay White's got no reason. Jay White's got the briefcase. It would feel heavy-handed from management to force Jay White into that match. And this, this doesn't? This it at least looks like it's Naito's choice. Like, you, you notice, if everything like that idiot. New Japan does, everybody 
gets a way to make it look like it's their choice. Okada has chosen to take himself out of the heavyweight title picture because he thinks it's bullshit that it's held down with the IC, and he's like, fuck it, I don't want to touch it. Naito has taken it upon himself to grant Ibushi a match because he wants to face the G1 winner, and it was kind of a bullshit way that he lost, so he gets it. The rubber match is going to happen at 1-5. When Ibushi beats Naito on 1-4, we're getting the rubber match on 1-5, and Ibushi's beating him because Jay White's won the last three matches. So this is just this giant evil buildup that Jay White just concocted this genius plan just for it to evaporate. And is Naito going to stab himself with a samurai sword when he loses on January 5th because he dishonored his family on some old 70s kung fu shit? Get the fuck out of here. If it's because Sonata turns on him, tell me that doesn't work itself out. It It gives stories for everybody. I'm going to watch the show, and I'm going to enjoy the show because I always do when I watch it. But Ghetto, <sighs> stop <laughs> trying to be – what, what else can I say, man? Topic three. <laughs> TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Am I beer drunk? Yes. Am I weed high? Yes. Am I ready to cut your fucking nuts off? That's a fucking hoop I am. From the same dipshits that brought you the hashtag worst pay-per-view ever. They're back. And back with a vengeance to bring you the sequel to the hashtag second worst pay-per-view ever. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. Ferguson, you killed off Retro Poopsie. Well, fuck you, pal. Friday, the 13th of November, 2020. Available on in demand pay per view and fight.tv. What the fuck is that for? I'll show you what it is. No! Why are you trying to get a Uh, We are here at what could best be described as a uh, sketchy ass warehouse. <laughs> It's time to break some balls. I'm gonna break your balls and I'm gonna break your face. Bask in my package! Talking Shop presents Talking Shop of Mania 2. Rise of the Torture. I'll give you a fill of balls of steel! Woohoo! Thank <laughs> God I'm a country boy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that makes look corn, like a fantastic corn makes whiskey, whiskey makes my girl just a little frisky. frisky. Uh, my girl and my horse. Don't know which one I miss, of course. I, I, I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie affair. Okay, thanks, Garth. Brooks. I lost my girl and my horse, and I really miss He's my horse. He's funny stuff, and you're actually trying to make country music references. <laughs> I was just going to go with every time I drink a beer, it makes your lazy eye disappear. And every time I take a shot, I think you're hot, but I know you're not. I'm trying to drink you pretty. <laughs> and tequila I, I, makes I her clothes my... fall off. 
<laughs> I lost my woman and my horse, and gosh dang it, I really miss my horse. Actually, you know what I did the <sighs> other day? It was really cool. I was I got all set up. I had everything going, everything I needed, I had, had everything put together, and then when I had the, the shit on it. No, no, I had the tape deck in, and I played it backwards. Uh huh. So what, what kind we, of tape? Was, was, was it a track? Was it a cassette? Was it a VH? Was it a Betamax? You still got a Betamax player, don't you? When I played you it do, backwards, you still have a Betamax. when I played it backwards, he still got. When I Betamax, played, I <laughs> when I played the soundtrack to Talking Shopamania two backwards. Okay, yeah. It says Satan. My dog came home. My girlfriend came back to me, and I got my job back. And apparently, there's a rainbow, and it was a double rainbow, and the fridge was full of beer. And you learned how to smoke a bong through your asshole. I already knew how to do and that. Nap. I mean, oh, that's tricks. Uh, yeah, well, I went to the same guy who taught you how to. I butt chug salt water all the time. Bob. Yeah, uh, okay, so are you? We're gonna do a lead in it all, or are we just freestyling it because fuck it. That was it. Talking shop. That was media. it right there. Talk that was your lead in. I got peace. If you've seen any talking shop mania shit from the first show to full keg to whatever the fuck this train wreck's gonna be? <laughs> it really looks like it looks like it's us three, and whenever Scott Demore's around, that has to be how Greg feels whenever he listens to our show. Like this is such a wonderful train wreck of stupidity bad wrestling, gimmicked wrestling, but amazingly stupid and clever that you can't not love it. Especially, like, you know, even in that gimmick, Sex Ferguson fucked up Repopution. Retropution, Retropution, whatever they fucking called it. And then, you know, if you're a bald layman guy, you know, that's good too. And Uncle Al, <laughs> Uncle Al tried to protect them in the first one, but he couldn't. He got buried too. His hand was sticking out. So, it's this is basically everything that AEW tries to make, take seriously. These guys do it as a complete fucking joke, and it's beautiful. And it, it has the same effect, at least to me. Actually, more better effect, because I actually laugh and enjoy this product. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have to agree with Mark Madden on this one. He was on um, Conan's podcast a few uh, weeks ago, and he was talking about how one of the problems with wrestling right now is that everybody is doing the ha-ha funny stuff but most wrestlers aren't funny. Now, the Good Brothers and, and Matt Hardy, those are the exceptions to the rule. Like, they are legitimately funny, and I'm here for everything they do. The problem is everybody's trying to do that shit, so it kind of loses its luster, and everybody can't do what they do. But I'm, I'm here for this. I'm, you know what I mean? I mean, it, 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 it's goofy. It's ridiculously, it's ridiculous, ridiculously ridiculous, and completely over the top, but so is professional wrestling. So I'm here for this. They do this well. The problem is everybody can't do this well. Okay, you're completely right there. Everybody can't do it well. Everybody tries to, and that does definitely, I guess, uh, weaken the sauce, so to speak. So what you going to do? But part of the lead-in for this, since we're talking about Talking Shop and Mania, that you know, that happens on November the 13th, Friday the 13th. That's why it's Rise of the Torturer, and they were getting their balls ready for the torture. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Balls that, ready for torture. I Yeah. You didn't notice that, that speed bag noise? That, they weren't hitting the gym, buddy. Uh, it just, <laughs> it, yeah. It, uh, it just makes me cringe a little bit. I mean, oh, you well, know, it's, it's I have balls. To. Yes. Hey, it, I worked. It. I it worked. It worked. I get it. I get it. 
But then also, Saturday, the 14th, Impact has a, you know, a more serious show because they're bringing back Turning Point for a Impact Plus special. And I only say more serious because we're still going to be working through the Who Shot Johnny Bravo kind of storyline. So that's interesting. Then Stop right there. Stop, Stop right there. What Go. did you think about the murder mystery? What What are your thoughts on the murder mystery funny. and impact? Okay, Tommy Dreamer's one that can do funny. Also, oh, like I, I like when okay. Tommy Dreamer put on his little Sherlock outfit and him and James Mitchell started kind of figuring it out and acting, you know, acting a fool. Like I, I like what Tommy Dreamer does when he's not trying to be the serious hardcore guy because he's not that guy anymore. He's he's not the innovator of violence. He's whatever the Edge and Christian show created. <laughs> you okay, know okay, I mean? okay, so what did you think about the uh, Jericho MJF uh, medley, sing-along medley? Oh, you think I watched that? Word. You've seen it. You've I've seen, seen it. clips of it, but I don't have... Okay, let me put it this way. Impact, since Hardy started doing the deletion stuff in the Broken Universe in 2016, has killed off Ali. They've gone through time and space. Matt Hardy has talked to a giraffe. We've gone into hell to bring people back. You can expect and accept a level of camp with Impact that you can't with other companies. And when AEW built their premise of we're going to be taking more of a sports angle and that's why we're doing win-loss records and it's going to be more sports-focused television and then you've got a fucking Broadway medley between two quote-unquote heels that weren't supposed to like each other but then turned into this love affair type thing, that's stupid because there's no precedent set for it. If there was Word. a precedent, perhaps, but it just, it, like I said, I wasn't really watching the product. I saw what I saw. It looked dumb. Like, I'm not not into it. Like I didn't really like anything because you also know I'm not that sold on MJF. Like MJF's whole fucking speech thing he did during the inner circle thing, I didn't. I wasn't amused. I that didn't think was that was great. Good Are that you kidding bullshit. me with the that with the was Drake lyrics and I don't know that Drake. Was grade school attempting humor and being a condescending prick. That is like. I you know what this reminds me of? He reminds me of the guy that played isn't, Thad isn't from that, Blue Mountain State. Isn't where that you can he tell he's acting to be a moronic jock retard, but it's an act. He's, you don't buy it. He, he, Ortiz, I don't know who Drake just, is, but he, I, excuse me, I started from the bottom, now I'm here. Come on, man. Seriously. Andrew, no, your reaction is the reaction he wants. No, it's no, because I think here's my problem. Everybody thinks he's a good heel. He's a shithead. And that's just, yes. he's not good at being a heel. He's not really polarizing when it comes to, oh my about? God, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What you didn't, okay. Bad? You guys didn't what? like the line. You guys didn't like the line. I, I've, no. you know, I, I've been struggling for five years. I started with a meager million dollar no. loan from my dad. Oh, wow. yes, that was great. That was hilarious. That was great. Moxley, why do I care? You do realize the fact that you don't like him kind of proves how great he is as a heel. You do realize that. You're getting worked, bro. You're getting worked, bro. Because I don't dislike him to the point of needing to watch because I don't watch that product usually. At the most, I keep it up next to NXT and I pay more attention to NXT. 
that's about it. I see clips for MJF. I don't like his attempt at being a heel. It doesn't work for me. That's why we're talking about it now, because it got brought up. I didn't want to talk about it. It doesn't affect me enough to want to talk about. And that's why it's right. not effective to me. We had... It doesn't affect me. It doesn't get my head of asking a question or wanting to react. I'm just like, I don't like this. Andrew, you've made your point. You've made it clear. I get it. I, I understand it now. Uh, we're talking... We had our chance to talk AEW. We're talking, although it had our chances, really laughable kind of statement on this show. Um, turning Point. Last thoughts from Turning Point and talking Java Mania before we get into... Uh, no! Topic 4 and 5, which are... Um, a little bit of a definitely nostalgia topics. Talking shop, so, and then turning point, you've got almost a farewell match for the Rascals because it's going to be Rich Swan and Trey versus Des and Wentz because the Rascals are. We found out on Impact that it's it's going to be like their last week or something like that. They're having a turning point match. Eddie Edwards has a match. Like it, it's kind of it's a good card. It's a solid card, but it's obviously building too hard to kill. I'm interested to see what Deanna Perrazzo is going to do against Sue Young because Sue apparently took out Kimberly, so Deanna's alone against the Undead Bride. So in a no-DQ match, that doesn't really work out too well. But aside from that, we've also got the, the tag match with the Good Brothers and the North. I'd like to see the Good Brothers win the, the belts, and then we could see Motor City Machine Guns versus Good Brothers at Hard to Kill. But you never know, especially with Alex Shelley being hurt. So that's nice that we've got Chris Sabin teaming up with James Storm because he needed he needed to find a partner to go against Triple XL with because Shelley's hurt. So two of the classic Impact guys that do tag team wrestling. That's that's kind of a nice pairing. And James Storm just lost the NWA tag titles with Eli Drake on UWN. So. I don't know if there's possibility of him coming back to Impact or whatever. So this could have some fun weight to it. So Eric Young is the champ right now. Am I correct? No, it's Rich Homie Swan. Ah, Rich Homie Swan. I forgot about that. Yeah, shout out to Rich Homie Swan. So, I mean, clearly, I, I, I mean, I'm going to just keep it a buck. I haven't been able to watch Impact in the last couple of months because when I moved, I had to change cable providers and Xfinity aka comcast they don't have that channel on here for whatever reason so i haven't been able to watch it but they were clearly working towards a, a motor city machine guns versus the good brothers match i didn't i didn't even know alex shelley got hurt that's how long i haven't watched this but let me ask you this man for the casual observer that wants to get back into impact wrestling what's the one match that you say hey you need to watch this match and that's going to bring you back to the table what match would that be Oh, from this year? Well, something that no, coincides no, with what's happening right show. now. The, the show that's happening on Saturday. Oh, from this yeah, show. Something this that show. coincides yeah. with what's happening right now. Yeah. It's got to be Good Brothers versus the North. Like, as, as much as I like the Sue Young gimmick, it's a gimmick. Like, the matches aren't always great. You don't know what's going to happen. There's something interesting that's going to happen there. Madison Rain or not Madison Rain, Jordan Grace and Tennille Dashwood against Taya and Rosemary. That's not going to really keep anybody around for next week. So, but I, I think I think Good Brothers and uh, the North could definitely keep keep attention. Well, Sue Young's a baddie, man, when she ain't got all that shit on her face, so that'd be enough to get me tuned in, but that's just me. I mean, she's adorable, but I mean, her matches. You, you know how most of the IWC is now. 
So if you're talking about a banger of a match with good personalities that could get you invested, it's got to be the North and the Good Brothers. Yeah, I just watched Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan from Survivor Series 1991 this morning, and they didn't do shit, but the match was it was hot and it had heat. So whatever. Anywho, topic four. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Motherfucking Undertaker, Undertaker, fucking Taker, yeah. Oh, oh, the fucking Undertaker. Undertaker, we are bitch. on the verge of the, the Undertaker, 30th bitch. anniversary of The Undertaker, celebrated at this year's Survivor Series, which is going to undoubtedly lead to the announcement of his entrance into the Hall of Fame at this upcoming WrestleMania. Gentlemen, the topic today is, who is Undertaker's <laughs> greatest rival? I mean, you could make an argument for Mick Foley, obviously. I mean, he basically made Mick Foley. Well, Rock made Mick Foley, but y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, You could make an argument for Kane, obviously, the the whole brother storyline. Wait, 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 what? Huh? You said what? Who made who? Huh? Who made who? Huh? Huh? Rock did not make Mick Foley. Rock didn't make Mick Foley. Mick Foley made Mick Foley. Why do you always insist upon shitting on The Rock anytime I try to bring up The Rock's wrestling accomplishments? What's what's up with you, man? What you got against The Rock? I have nothing Did against The Rock. Your why girl, are you... like, a, a, like a Puerto Rican stole Andrew's girl earlier, Boy, which is why I, he hates on Eddie Kingston? I don't. I, this is out of nowhere. I don't think that this is true at all. I, I think that I'm just defending Mick Foley. I have nothing against The Rock. I don't think I ever shit on The Rock. You do whenever we have these conversations, especially when we have the Mount Rushmore conversation. You shit on The Rock. Okay, so you you think that I don't include Rock in the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, and that's me shitting on The Rock, and that's where we're going to go with this conversation? Instead of talking about Undertaker's greatest rivals, that's where we're going to go with this conversation. Okay, fine. Let's get back to The Taker. I'm going to say his greatest rival is uh, Shawn Mike. Does anybody have anything else to say? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, was, it, his greatest funny. his greatest rival. <laughs> the Undertaker's greatest rival is one of two people. It's either Kane or Mankind. That's it. You can put so, Triple so H. You, and, we're and, gonna to- 
We're going to totally ignore what I previously said. I, I gave both I was, of those people their props when it I came was, in regards to The Undertaker. I, I, say what you say. So go ahead. Get it out. Spit it out. I'm, I'm going to be quiet. Uh, okay, you are. It's amazing. You sure you don't have your little button? You want to push the button? Button pusher? You better hurry up and say what you got to say. Before okay? you forget what you're going to say. You no, I'll remember now. Time. Oh, come yes. on now. That's bullshit. Come on now. <laughs> president, buddy. You know, so say your piece. It's commissioner, not president. Anyway. <laughs> it's Mick Foley or Kane. You can say what you want about... <laughs> Fuck you. That's horseshit. I knew it, you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> you can say what you want about HBK and Triple H, but it first, in building said legacy, was Kane and Mankind. Now, granted, you got to give a little bit to Hogan for dropping the belt and everything else and doing business right away with a guy coming over from WCW. Just saying. Maybe not a rival, but somebody that made him. And when you talk about a rival, that's I mean, somebody that makes a guy. And the guys who made Taker are Kane and Mankind. Wait, that's how you look at it? Because a rival yeah, to me is usually someone that sticks around because a rival is someone that you have a rivalry with, like Orton and Cena, or like Tanahashi and Okada, or you could even say Orton and Edge because you can't use it against Edge for being injured for ten years. So you're trying to tell me that so you're trying to tell me that Kane and Mankind did not have a rivalry with the Undertaker? No, they okay. They Kane, yes, because they had a familial storyline that kind of tied them together. So that makes some sense. Okay, Mankind was around for what? Two whoa, years, whoa, three no, years? No, no. How about all the boiler room matches? had a rivalry. No, Mankind and The Undertaker had a rivalry. Mick Foley, Cactus Jack did not have a rivalry with The Undertaker. Mankind and, and The Undertaker. This, man, what are you the Undertaker, saying? The Undertaker you, made Mankind when he came into the WWE. What are you talking about? You sound like, oh, yeah, Superman is cool, but I don't like that Clark Kent guy. That's what you sound like right now, sir. It's so hard to argue with WWE with you guys. Well, it's also, it depends on how you look at the word. You say rival. Rival is something that lasts more than two or three years and more than three or four angles. Like, yes, Mankind and Undertaker had a lot of, had a couple angles, had a big fucking memorable moment and all that other shit. But it was two or three years and then they were away from each other. And it wasn't really like, oh, every time you saw Mankind, you thought Undertaker. Every time you saw Undertaker, you thought Mankind. Every time you saw Undertaker, you thought Kane because they were basically tied to the same storyline and sort of brought up that way. And it's the force, the little brother, big brother dynamic. So Kane is really the only one I would even argue because everything else is like vacuum sealed, vacuum packed fucking angles that, oh, let's reference two matches they had in the like for HBK. Let's reference two or three matches they had in the 90s where whoa, 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 Let me finish my piece and then you can go through it. WWE vacuum packs a lot of their angles to try to tie them back. Like the first fucking WrestleMania 25 match, Michaels had to like reference older matches from a bit ago to be like, oh, you didn't beat me in this hell in a cell or you didn't beat me here. And then it's supposed to tie in fucking 10 years later. That's not really a rivalry to me when you don't have consistent hatred, consistent issues, consistent things pinpointing back. 
like example that Tani kind of used about making somebody. Tanahashi made Okada. And then for the last eight years, every time they've been involved in anything, it harks back. They have their own feud. They have their own actual rivalry of new ace versus old ace and trying to one trying to take the baton away, basically. The only way I see a hard, like, actual emotional-based fucking rivalry that lasted more than, like, a couple angles, took some years off a couple more angles, was Kane because it kind of came with the storyline of how Kane even became a thing. Now you, you can go. So the first Hell in a Cell wasn't the best Hell in a Cell. Don't everybody I, answer it once. The I've first seen Hell in a Cell. Again, not caring about WWE most of the time. No, I don't it's think not. I've seen them all, so. Go watch that. Regardless. Go, go. Go watch it. I I literally just watched. Then it go back and watch ago. Taker go and watch Mankind. Go watch. Go back and watch Taker and Mankind right after it, and tell me which one's better. And then go back and watch Taker yeah. and Triple H, and tell me which one's better. Taker and Mankind. And then go the back and watch the Hell in a Cell, in a cell that Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre had, and tell me how much more convenient it is to have foot posts on the side of the cage. Oh bullshit! Now now Undertaker <laughs> and Mankind and Hell in a Cell is 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 more. Iconic because of those two spots. Yes, but because of, of yes, but in terms of match quality, go back and watch the first one at Bad Blood in 1997. Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker. And I can say this because I literally just watched this match within the last couple of months. It still holds up till today. It's still the best Hell in a Cell match ever. WrestleMania 25, arguably the best WrestleMania match ever. WrestleMania 26, retired Shawn Michaels. That shit in Saudi didn't happen because everybody needed a check. That shit didn't happen. Okay? <laughs> it just it didn't happen. It's like uh, House Party 3. No, that never happened. <laughs> oh, I forgot that fuck it happened. Why'd you do that? Because uh, it, it didn't happen. Oh, uh, yeah. Never happened. Never happened. Like, I get, I get your argument, but do you at least see where I'm coming from where it's a building rivalry? Kind of like if you think sports, if there's a rival in your division, it's because you play them every year, and usually there's a tug of, like a, like a tug of war. Like the Ravens and the Steelers, that's a legitimate rivalry. The Steelers and the Browns, not so much because there's not a hey, lot of winning on one side. Damn mouth. Oh, shut up, because you know I'm right, because you're the first one to shit on your own Browns. So that's that's my whole point of it's just one of those interesting situations where I can't see a rivalry being vacuum-sealed, vacuum-packed matches. I'm not arguing with either one of y'all, man. I brought up both Mick Foley or Mankind, if you want to say it. What's up, DeMarco? And I brought up Kane. I'm just saying when it comes match to match, man, you can't match Shawn Mike and Undertaker. That's that's Taker's biggest rival. Those are iconic matches. They have not ever had a non-iconic match except for that shit that happened in Saudi Arabia. And again, that never happened because everybody needed the money. That never happened. And ladies and gentlemen, good God, that's great DeMarco's music. I don't have music for him, but I like that they get music. You want music? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um... Ladies and gentlemen, we, we've got Jeez. the commander-in-chief of the chair shot on the line right now, Mr. Greg DeMarco, with his Bob Barker, The Price is Right microphone. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to give him music. Hold on. Okay. It's going to be The Price is Right music? No. It's... Spay and neuter your pets? We get something good here. 
That's why Bob's still living, man. He's been drinking all that uh, spade and neutered Captain Dog yeah. blood. Here we yeah. go, because this is definitely one of them. So we'll just we'll just start here. You know, I mean, he's he's a, he's kind of a ladies' man. Drag. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the look. The man himself. Of all the people I want saying my name like that, you're not one of them. Yeah, you're welcome. My last word. No. Yeah, we have to deal with that now. Would you? Do you, want, <laughs> you, do you? Would you like to? Would you like to officially tell him to get rid of that? No, I actually have one of them. Oh God! Believe it or not, I have. I've had one of those for like five years, and how do you dislike nice. it on Skype? You, you got it from Target as well. I I got it at work, and somebody left, and they gave it to me. Nice. But I'm gonna guess they got it at Target. So, the good old nice. no button. Yes, the no button. So, Mr. DeMarco, we are at a standstill right now, sir. Talking okay. about who is Undertaker's greatest rival. I go Sean Mike. Mr. Tunney is gone. Mick Foley and Andrew is gone. Kane. It's Could you break this tiebreaker, no, please? Tunney is going specifically mankind. Thank if you, we're Andrew. Going to be I appreciate serious. that. Come on, man. What the fuck? It's the no, same thing. No. He's specifically saying mankind. Don't generalize. Come on, stop. He was Mick Foley when his ass jumped off that, got thrown off that goddamn cage. That was Mick Foley. Three entries into the Royal Rumble says there's a difference. <sighs> and so they were all when. Mick Foley. When I was texted, it said Mick Foley was one of Taker's greatest opponents. It didn't say Mick Foley was Taker's greatest opponent. Um, I mean, I think Foley's got to be on the list, or Mankind's got to be on the list. Like it's it's that Hell in a Cell match made it made Foley. It's it's weird because Taker's probably Mankind's greatest opponent, but I don't know if Taker is if if it works the uh, the other way around. Um, but I would say that Mankind... Like, the three you guys named are, are the top three, in my opinion. Um, and I think they're all pretty close. I think Mankind is closer than you guys might think. I, If I had to pick one, like, gun to my head, I had to pick one, I'm probably going with Shawn Michaels. Yeah! Now, wow, Tony brings in the backup for the yeah. swerve. Super kicked out now, of this just getting super shit. kicked out the goddamn <laughs> ring. Like, in all honesty, sunny, get your ass up out of here. I'd probably put mankind number two and Kane number three. Um, and and I think the reason why is because without Undertaker, there is no Kane. Like, like Kane wouldn't even make sense without the existence of Undertaker. There was a Shawn Michaels long before there was an Undertaker. And there would have been a Shawn Michaels Undertaker. And I think there would have been a Mankind without an Undertaker. But without Undertaker, there's no Kane. And so it's weird because you could say that Undertaker is Mankind's greatest rival. And you could say that Undertaker is Kane's greatest rival. And you might be able to say that Undertaker is Shawn Michaels' greatest rival, although maybe that's Bret Hart. And, of course, we're in screw job season, and that was a big, giant fucking work yeah. anyway. But here we are. Um but at the same time, it's 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 such a tough question because then you look at like okay, you know you know who my favorite Undertaker opponent is Randy Orton, and he I don't think he deserves to be on that list, but damn good opponent for the Undertaker. But that's a tough tough question in general because the Undertaker is he's so iconic and he's you know thirty years in WWE WWF and what thirty three years thirty four years in the business or whatever something like that. I don't know if you can just have just one. So there and is. I mean, a, you could you 
and we didn't even bring up. You could make an argument for Triple H. They had three outstanding <laughs> WrestleMania matches. Hell, you could make a, a case for Batista. Their program was excellent. So there is a poll on WWE right now, and the people you can vote for we've already mentioned Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Kane, Mankind, Randy Orton, Batista. Batista's a guy that Batista's a guy that Undertaker went to OVW and seen him and mm-hmm. said, We're gonna do business together to him and then went out and had a fire match with him on OVW. So understand what was going on there. I mean, they handpicked and gave him to Devon to let him cultivate him into being ready to go when he got up there. Okay, so Batista's not to be laughed at, a a guy we really didn't get in depth at. Roman Reigns is on here. Stone Cold is on here. WrestleMania main event, yeah, Stone Cold. I mean, he main event at WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar. Lesnar beat him. He main evented WrestleMania against Edge, too. Like, there's so many people that Taker has history with. But for most of them, that stuff benefited the other person way more than it benefited Taker. And and that's how iconic Taker is. If I think about who benefit, like who benefited Taker the most? Hogan? I don't even know. Like, that's someone yeah, I brought I up before Hogan you came on, actually. Legitimized him by, but it's that a rival, yeah, though. That. It's that a rivalry. That's the thing. That's the question is rivalry. Damn. What's a rivalry? Like, I brought up here's it was here was, hard to here was here's my biggest yes, but here's someone that did it the best, and that's why I say mankind. Boiler room matches. A damn good argument. Boiler yes. room matches. I mean, they yeah, Taker made mankind the character mankind with the boiler room matches. I mean, the the yeah. the difference in the opening, uh, the entrance, and and the exit music, and the hair pulling and everything, and Foley's ability. But I mean, come on, those boiler room matches. I'm just saying, man, the first Hell in a Cell, WrestleMania 25, WrestleMania 26. I don't remember what year it was, but the, the year that they were the last two in the Royal Rumble. I think it was the year that uh, Taker fought Batista, as a matter of fact, at WrestleMania. And they fought for 20 minutes as the last two guys in the Rumble. Yep. Like, every time that Shawn Mike and Undertaker collided, it was iconic. And it was because that, for whatever reason, WWE was able to keep those two guys apart for so long. Like, they operated in totally separate universes. So that when they came together, it not only did it feel like a big deal, but it always lived up to the billing. Plus the fact he retired, Sean Mike. Because, again, Saudi didn't happen. And they all needed the money. <laughs> didn't happen. It's true. I don't think there's a wrong I, answer. I mean, tune into the WWE not Network. Right tune into the WWE Network. And, I was going to say, know. has he said his, his greatest rival, or is he going to say who his greatest rival was? I don't know not if he could. To my knowledge. I don't yeah, even know I don't if he could. he could. He would probably say Kane just for kayfabe because the whole yeah. other thing. But yeah. I bet. What's no, interesting I, is would, that he'd probably the, say Sean actually. Of the three, two were supernatural in in mankind and Kane. Shawn Michaels is the only one that was immortal in terms of being a character. I don't know. Maybe he'd swerve all of us and say Lex Luger. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> just never no know. one would say Lex Luger. Come on. No. <laughs> he was mean. He was mean. Mark's greatest rival. I can tell you. I'm Lex, say, yeah, me and I can Mark tell you. had some 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 uh, battles even... in WCW. Shout it's... out to Teddy Long with the do rag. No is... hair, but a do rag. Okay, cool. This is hottest <laughs> war and the most adult rated podcast, and I'm not even going to tell you. 
who Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor, Lex Luger is the biggest rival to. You can figure that out on your own. It's unfortunate. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. a little dark, honey, but okay. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> you implied it enough. We know. What? Co- cocaine? I thought he was going to say Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> that's clearly what he was saying. Yeah. I was trying to say There go. He's laughing. No, I just I said it for him. That's how that yeah. one works. His son likes to play. You know. You guys forget that. You guys forget that that Luger and Stan Hansen had one hell of a match back in back in the day. Yep. Uh huh. That's where you're going with. When, uh, Bruiser Brody had Lex. Luger I was gonna say life in that goddamn cage. Yeah. Bruiser, Luger, Bruiser, Luger punched the ref and got the hell out of the way. Bruiser Brody. <laughs> I don't biggest him nemesis either. is Puerto Rico. <laughs> oh man! Wow! Welcome Ooh. to Pot is War, Greg Marco. This is a DWI. Wow. Usually say what? It's virtually impossible to go too far on this show, but I think Tunny has done it. <laughs> Congratulations to PC Tunny, sir. Yep. You have found the line. You have Tony. found our line. <laughs> that's your that's your show title right there. Tony found the line. The day the eye turned. The <laughs> day the eye turned. And then crossed it. <laughs> well, wasn't that a right? There was some wrestling company that that, that put out a show that was. Wait, called, wait, like, wait. No, 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 no. I know what I did wrong. I know what I did wrong. Where is Puerto Rico? It's a territory of the United States, sir. What are you talking about? Oh, you missed Like, where in the world is Puerto Rico? Like, no. Carmen San Diego? You guys are missing Yeah, it's it. East you'll, Coast. It's you'll get it when we get to time, Topic sir. 5. You'll get it when we get to Topic 5. Okay. Oh, okay. Is okay. that a Trump reference? Yeah. No, like... no. <laughs> no, that's no, not, worse. Yeah. Not, not quite. Okay, is, is, is there any other uh, WWE topics we got to cover right quick before we get to Topic 5? Anything else pressing or anybody want to make their case again? No, I think Greg's glad he, you know, jumped on for this train wreck. Oh, yeah. I'm always happy to jump onto a train wreck. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, when you've been married for, for 21 years, you, you jump on any train wreck you can find. Touche. <laughs> that could be a title, too. Wow. <laughs> nah, you got, better ti- you got better titles than that, I'm, I'm sure. Plus, plus, Tony, would, oh, hang on, my alarm's going off. Plus, Tony would uh, complain that it would put him in the orange when he was putting in the show title. So, yeah. Uh, you you know, <laughs> Got to be green. It's okay if you go in the orange. I just want you to know it's okay. It's not easy being green, man. It's not easy being green. It's not. It's not easy yeah. being green. It's not, not all rainbows and butterflies. It's also not easy being yellow when you're black. You know, that. that <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if any of you can relate to that particular argument. Not recently, no. A lot, a lot of times growing up being called Beijing, you know, it's the thing. <laughs> I got called oh, Cracker. I, I got called Cracker. How about that? Ooh. <laughs> you deserve that. You deserve that. I once, you you deserve the shit I out once of got into a fight with somebody over being called WAP over and over again because, you know, I'm Italian. Yes. And you want to know why I got into a fight with that person? Because... The only thing I could call them was something I wouldn't say because they were black. And so instead, we ended up getting into a fight because I wasn't going to call them the N-word. And honestly, I had nothing else to say to the person. Like, and, you know, I, I was not smart enough. And so, yeah, we got into a fight. I may have put them headfirst in the trash can. So Well, yeah. thank you. I, I don't believe you didn't pop off an N-word, but I thank didn't. you. No, I actually didn't. <laughs> I actually didn't. Not that time. 
Growing up in Central Virginia, there's a lot of influence around you utilizing that word. And yeah. uh, but I was a little yeah. older at the point, and and middle school Greg has said that word. Um, <laughs> but by this point, high school graduate Greg, I think it was the age that I was. Yeah, like right out of high school, would would not have used that word. So I yeah. still don't believe you, but fair enough. <laughs> no, I don't. It, you should hear me trying to explain to my son why he can't say the former name of the Washington football team, and and trying to explain to him why when it's so hard for him to understand when commentators still say it on accident on television. So. Yeah. That's a rough one, though, man. They should have been got rid of that. I mean, number one, it should have never been the title anyway. Yeah. But at this, I mean, it's 2020, man. It shouldn't have had to take, you know, this. It, they should have been got rid of that title. I'm just saying. Remember that, when that was like the biggest thing happening in 2020? Ugh. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you you missed the whole open, Greg. I, you know, shit, I'm overcoming the Rona. Which shit. open did he miss? Uh, all of our listeners missed the whole goddamn open. Which one? Pick one. Quite a few. Yes. This is why I've had more beers than I thought I was going to have already on this show today. And that's why we've got this version of Tane going to topic five. Yes. <laughs> You want to go to Ooh, topic some, five? Some. Oh, no. Got, you, you, yes, I want you to go to the next topic so we can finish the train wreck soon. <laughs> I, I just wow. pray to God that you downloaded what we need to download to talk about this topic. Did you do that? You And you know what I'm talking about. What is the next topic? We're going to have to leave 10 seconds of silence after this because what is it's going to have to put in there. <laughs> oh, oh, now I know what you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, well, maybe we'll just do this. I'm Mike Richards, the executive producer of Jeopardy. Over the weekend, we lost our beloved host, Alex Trebek. This is an enormous loss for our staff and crew, for his family, and for his millions of fans. He loved this show and everything it stood for. In fact, he taped his final episodes less than two weeks ago. He will forever be an inspiration for his constant desire to learn, his kindness, and for his love of his family. We will air his final 35 episodes as they were shot. That's what he wanted. On behalf of everyone here at Jeopardy, thank you for everything, Alex. This is Jeopardy. This is Jeopardy. Susan Cole is from Bowie, Maryland, and her favorite type of music is something I've never heard of, but it doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> I think it's very fun. It's called Nerdcore Hip Hop. It's Nerdcore Hip Hop. Yes. Um, it's a uh, People who identify as nerdy, rapping about the things they love, video games, science fiction, having a hard time meeting romantic partners, you know. <laughs> it's really catchy and fun. Losers, in other words. Well, Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Buy a chopper and have a doctor on speed dial, I guess, Mad City. 
Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Young money militia, and I am the commissioner. You don't want to start wheezy, cause the F is for finisher. Panda panda, panda panda, panda panda, panda. They mad, they ain't famous. They mad, they still nameless. But we still hood famous. Yeah, we still hood famous. I was just getting into this rap thing. I'm not too good at it, but I was getting into it. <laughs> So, for those of you that are living under a rock, we lost this week the great, iconic, if you will, Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy. He finally succumbed to his battle with colon cancer at the age of 80. And I've seen a lot of people give a lot of tributes to Alex. And, you know, Andrew, it's funny to me, man, because... I didn't realize how popular Jeopardy was. And I, I, I understand how idiotic that sounds considering that it was on television for 36 years. You know what I mean? I understand how that can sound idiotic. Yeah. And I guess Bomati Jones probably said it best. And I you know, so I, I think that he was the the gentleman that put this out on Twitter. And if I'm if I'm misquoting him or if it was somebody else that said this, I do apologize. But he said that Alex Trebek every week for 30 minutes for 36 years made you feel cool for being smart and that resonated with me man just dealing with Jeopardy and you know I'm I'm, I'm gonna pass it off here man because I've got a lot of thoughts and I'm still trying to kind of get them together to really give Alex his propers but my mother, when I was 12 years old, my mother married my stepfather and rest his soul. And it was uh, it was them, my stepsister, my older stepsister, and my older stepbrother. And we, that was our nightly ritual. We would watch Will of Fortune. It would come on at 7. And then Jeopardy would come on at 7.30 and we would sit there and watch it and my stepbrother and I, we'd go back and forth. He would always beat me in Will of Fortune and I would always beat him in Jeopardy. And it's it, it's weird because, you know, I had such a weird childhood growing up and it didn't last very long. I think uh, maybe two years because I think my, my stepsister ended up uh, leaving the house and then my shortly after that, my stepbrother left and went to go live with one of his uh, sisters but for this very brief period in time, maybe about two years, it really felt like it was the only time that I, in my entire childhood, that I felt like I had a quote-unquote normal or, or nuclear family. And Alex Trebek was a big part of that. And I'm rambling on the mic, man. I don't know if any of this makes sense, man. All I'm trying to do is trying to pay propers to a man that was very that I love like he was America's sweetheart and I, I just I'm just trying to pay propers to a man that everybody loved that was universally loved and it's a tragedy that he's gone he had a hell of a run and he certainly left his mark on this society and what more can you ask for in a lifetime no that that's well put because I, I feel like everybody's got a similar story either the nuclear family kind of thing or doing it with grandparents watching Jeopardy or something like that and just oh just to uh, clarify editor's note 
it was pancreatic cancer, not colon cancer. Ah, so just just, just so we don't miss misspeak. But um, yeah. So I think the popularity comes from the simple fact that everybody has that mom, that dad, that grandpa, that grandma, that uncle, or whoever that would flip on Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy, be it because their parents did, and it was just the three, six, ten kind of mentality, at least here on the East Coast, that's what it is. I don't know if it's different anywhere else, but you know, there'd be the whole, like you said, Wheel of Fortune at seven, seven thirty was Jeopardy. In the 90s, Jeopardy would then lead into TGIF, so then you'd have your mm-hmm. home improvements, or your full house, or whatever came on at eight, and then you, you made a whole day out of it. You, it was this whole time where everybody would just shut up you know, stop having issues, you know, the, the siblings wouldn't necessarily stop fighting aside from who's right on the question, who's wrong on the question. And it, it felt like everything just stopped when you had the, the family shows on, be it Wheel or Jeopardy or TGIF. And it's it's hard because Trebek was part of it for so long. Like, it'd be one thing, like, you know, Family Feud, we've got, what, Steve Harvey now, but they've gone through, like, five hosts in a while, so that's fun. You know, Price is Right, Bob Barker, there was a big outcry when he just retired, and, like, he didn't even pass away. But you know, it was that same feeling where whenever you were sick from school, who kind of was home with you? Price is Right. You know, sometimes you might have got hung up and watching some like soap operas with your ma or something like that, but there was always prices right at like noon or two o'clock or whatever came on. So I think that's where the popularity and that's where the outpouring comes for what Bomani said, where it was cool to be smart for a half hour. And then, you know, you'd feel like, oh, well, I know something my parents don't know or I know something my sibling doesn't know. So it, you, you got a little bit of, you know, flowers ahead of time to, you know, take something from what you like to usually say. Just be like, look, I know this. I'm smart. I got this one. Oh, that one's easy. And then it was also kind of fun to complain with your family at the same time when there was just random shit like third century, like middle European <laughs> architecture. And you're like, who the fuck knows this? So you're just like, so that that was fun within itself too. And then even in what Tony played as the lead in with when Trebek was so out of his element, just doing rap music or lyrics to songs or asking sports questions or something like that, or the little on-site things he did where he was at a boat or at an aquarium or something. It's it was fun for as as nerdy or dorky as that sounds. The little little things did really add up, and I think it's it makes a big impression on people and. Now people lost that for when they have kids or wherever they happen to be. So now you can't sit down with, you know, your your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister again for like Thanksgiving's coming up to watch Jeopardy in Trebek because it's going to be different. Might still be Jeopardy, but without Trebek, it's definitely going to have a different vibe. It, it To me, it's like... Okay, let's do the wrestling comparison. Um, no argument whatsoever if I say the on the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling all time, Stone Cold's on that Mount Rushmore, right? No, neither of you argue with that. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. No one ever would ever argue on the Mount Rushmore of game show hosts, Alex Trebek, right? I mean, High Rollers, Double Dare, uh, to tell the truth. Battle Stars. I mean, the guy did more than just Jeopardy, but then he got in there 
and did jeopardy. And let's do the sports comparison now. Much like a quarterback going to the right team or a player going to the right team or a coach having the right group of players or coaching underneath the right owner or the right circumstances, Jeopardy and Alex Trebek fit each other perfectly. Like you guys mentioned, his personality, the way that he had with the guests, because part of this show was, in the middle, having a quick conversation with each guest. And the longer you were on the show, the more you got to see this guest personality, and the more you got to see Alex Trebek personality because you got to know this guest better. For me, growing up, like you guys mentioned, I lived with my grandparents for a, for a, for a period of time. And, and Ray Cash and I talked about this on Three Man Weave. We, we talked about Alex Trebek. And I told this story that I watched Wheel of Fortune with my grandparents. But for me, Andrew, it was the opposite. Jeopardy was on at 6 Central. Wheel of Fortune was on at 6.30 Central. And then it was primetime television. Because oh, okay. Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune mm. are syndicated throughout the country. Mine was on CBS. What what station was yours on? I think it's NBC. See, that's uh, why it's syndicated NBC in different when, markets. Whatever. When six. I was, yeah, when when I was in Virginia, it was ABC. And oh, it's six ABC. That's what it is. So yeah, it was, three, six, it was and ABC. It's syndicated. ABC, yeah. It's syndicated into the local network broadcasting stations in between. Local news, world news, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, primetime television. That's where it lies. And that's a great transition, right? Uh, Recently, I stopped watching Wheel of Fortune, and I record Jeopardy, and then I watch TMZ. Or I used to. I don't Mm -hmm. really watch TMZ anymore now. I really don't watch Jeopardy anymore now. I wish I did. I can tell you that there is a run of episodes coming up, like he said, and they finish Christmas Day. That will be the last episode you will ever see from Alex Trebek from Jeopardy. I've taken the test. I wish I would have been a contestant when he was on. I love the show. I love watching it with friends. Like, to me, watching it is the funnest thing with other people. You know? Especially now when you have a DVR remote and you can pause it. (laughs) I've gone to parties with people that I know. And I've written Jeopardy games for us to play, and we've had a brilliant time, and I've done it on more than one occasion. And it's it's so fun, and I encourage you to do it. If you're a fan of Jeopardy, go ahead. Find six categories and write five questions for each one and take it to a party and see how people react. They go nuts. It's fun. Jeopardy and Alex Trebek were the perfect fit, and Alex Trebek, I'm going to miss him. That's for sure. That's funny you say that, man, because that was one of my party tricks, man, when I grew up and, you know, in college and, you know, shortly after college and we'd be sitting around getting drunk, getting high and they turn on Jeopardy and, you know, nobody thinks I'm smart. You know what I mean? Nobody thinks I'm I'm as smart (laughs) as I am. And then we just throw on Jeopardy and I'm just, you know, and I'm acting like I'm not paying any attention, but I'm just firing off the questions. Oh, that's such and such. That's so and so. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, that was one of my party tricks. And even my dad, rest his soul, anytime he wanted to show me off, he would turn on, you know, one of those quiz type shows, be it Jeopardy or The Weakest League. The only one I really struggled at was Millionaire when it first started with Regis. Like, that that would get me. But he would always turn those on trying to show me off. So, 
you know, it was, yeah, so I, I, I've i got a, a weird kind of connection to Jeopardy and Alex Trebek, and I mean, this guy, he was an American institution. It is what it is, and he's surely going to be missed, and I don't envy the person that is going to step into those shoes. You know, that that's one of the 48 Laws of Power, if you've ever read that book by Robert Greene. You know, don't ever fill the shoes of a great man. I, I feel bad for the next person that's going to come along and have to have this job. I honestly hope they just do guest host by committee for a while, just so it doesn't fall on one person's kind of shoulders and maybe just get like Ken Jennings and former former champions to host as just kind of an homage or just as, as something cute for a little bit to fill the space before putting, you know, someone to the, to the fire. Because you, you're right, it, whoever... Whoever takes his place is not going to be met well because most people do not take change very well. So he's going to be met with a level of vitriol and venom that, you know, isn't really fair to him. But it's what happens when, you know, you try to follow success and much like you said, someone that most of the country probably loves. And maybe they didn't even realize it until after all of this happened. You know, and you know this new world that we live in, you know, this fake forced diversity. So you know it's either going to be a black person or a woman. Or if they can find a black woman, even better. But you know it's going to be one of those. You know that. Ken Jennings. Yeah, you know that. Ken Jennings. I didn't say that while you were refilling or whatever you did. No, I was looking for my old uh, Jeopardy game shows I wrote, but I couldn't find it. So I think I don't know his commitments because I know he's on Let's Make a Deal right now, but I feel like Wayne Brady would be a good fit for that. Um, I, I, I've heard Neil deGrasse Tyson get thrown out there. I, I wasn't thinking about it, but that makes sense. Lavar Burton, you know, I could see that. I like Lavar. Neil deGrasse. Would you really want someone that's as smart or smarter than the contestants? That could come yeah. off a little smug. It could, because he comes off a little smug sometimes, but, yeah, he's, that, charm, that's what I'm but he's charming. But this you, would be a know, bunch of nerds in a room trying to outsmug each other. You know who, um, I'm I'm just going to throw this out there, and there's no way in hell he's probably going to get the, the, the show, but just a out-of-the-box type of uh, idea. Ashton Kutcher. No, if you're going to go that route, if you're going to go... Whoa, 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 whoa. Go Let ahead. me finish right quick. Like, go ahead. He, he's 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 handsome. He looks good in a suit. He's charming, and regardless of the goofy shit that he plays, he's actually a highly intelligent individual. I think that he could pull that off. Actually, you know who they should have grabbed, and I think she's doing something, and it, it, it wouldn't be her. Is Maya Bialik? Oh, she's got a whole new show coming up. Yeah, but yeah. she would have been perfect. For it. She's an actual fucking you... doctor. She is, but you also you're kind of playing in an interesting space though, because they could always get what's his name that played Sheldon, Jim Parsons. No, I don't. If know. they just like if they that. wanted to go the that's celebrity kitschy, route, though. just to kind of ease things that's like, in, because that's like, he's already an actor, no, people would feel comfortable. No, because people would rather have Sheldon Cooper than Jim Parsons be the host of Jeopardy. I'm telling you, Ken Jennings is going to be the host of Jeopardy. I'm not arguing that because that was one of the first names I said. We're just yeah, playing in this other space yeah. right now. Oh, okay. Uh, We're playing in another if space. They Sorry. Can. Okay. All right. Then how yes, about play, um, play in our play place with us, Tony? How about Drunk your brother? Tony, how go. about your brother? <laughs> on 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 uh, on you know funky fresh trivia, we call him Blink Fartendale. 
Oh, Jesus. He's too young to even understand what that reference is. I know, that's why he <laughs> keeps saying it, and it just goes right over his head every time. Uh, so you should just, then just fuck him up and make an all the small things joke and think it's a Blink-182 joke. That's no, what no, it no. Is. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned a, uh, uh, another host before, and I thought it's unfortunate because he has a game show, but Joel McHale. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's he's not bad. Like, he's got that kind of personality that's hard to dislike. The thing is about him yeah. is you'd always be waiting for him to try and make a joke, but I think it would be funnier for him to be more serious and just kind of pause instead of making the joke. Like, you already knew what joke he was going to say. He doesn't even have to make the joke. He makes it just pausing. Or, or Carlton, Afonso Ribeiro. Oh, that would be... He probably needs a job, right? <laughs> he's on the game show network. He keep a job. And plus, that state, those state farm commercials, he's great in those. 21. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. He was uh, America's Funniest I mean, Videos. He, he, I mean, this is the world we live in, man, with fake diversity. So it's either going to be a black person or a woman. And probably it's going to end up being a black woman. Thanksgiving week weekend, there's a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion special coming out on HBO, HBO Max. Pop. Okay. Now, if, if it has to be black, I'd love Tatiana Ali as the host. That'd be nice. <laughs> it's probably it's gonna be Alicia Ta- Aisha Tyler. I mean, she's not bad. No, she's not. She's funny and she's charming, and you know, she looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then again, she also did the Who's Line kind of reboot, and I don't know how well that really went because. Yeah. And that that I think that was my issue with Ashton Kutcher, which we kind of derailed. But then you know, last time he tried to fill in for, you know, a bigger name, it kind of fell flat. So well, I, I don't think show, he can. The so, show wasn't good, but they still got like four or five seasons out the Mellow Farm. I mean, ratings wise, it still did I. All right. I don't so, know how much of that was already penned into the contract, though. So on the New York, <laughs> the New York Post has an article on this, and here are some of the people that they've suggested: George Stephanopoulos. Why? Mm-hmm. Betty White. She's gonna die too. Yeah, that'd be great for like a season. Alex Faust. Who's that? Who? Some white guy Ooh. with di- some white guy with dimples. I don't know. Xavier Woods. There we go. We got to figure it out. Oh, Xavier Woods would be an excellent host. Laura Coates. Who's Lauren Laura Post? CNN legal analyst? No, we're no. good. We're good. She's a black lady. But it's just, right. just, no. right. <laughs> just say it. I, I, I don't think you guys, I don't think either of you guys knew that until I said that, actually, probably. It's, no, I did. Okay, no. that's why I said it. that's what that's that's all the that's all the New York Post also had Ken Jennings, so that that was their top five. Right, well, I'm glad we're on the Ken Jennings train because that would be nice because I think pe- people would probably be easier on Ken Jennings because former champion, you know, all that other stuff, and you know he would be doing it to pay respects and not to get himself over. So I, I definitely think one of the big three would probably be the best choice, but I prefer Ken Jennings over the other two. The bottom line, man, shout out to Alex Trebek. And R.I.P. goes out to him, 
his family, his friends, and everybody that has been affected by this. And it's weird, man, how celebrity works, that this guy that none of us has ever met had such a profound impact on our lives. And it feels like we've lost a loved one. It, it, it really does. And that just goes to who he was as a person. I mean, the fact that we feel this affected by a person that we've never met it's Alex Trebek. What else can I say? He's an American institution. And R.I.P., man. That being said, I just want to take a brief moment of silence for Alex. Uh, Mr. Belaz, where can they find you, sir? Um, on the Twitter. IWC War Chief. You know it. If you've heard more than one of this episode... Uh, find me also writing reviews, a couple of opinion articles on Impact, Japanese promotions. Probably going to be hitting Talking Shopamania and Turning Point this weekend. So find all of that on thechairshot.com. Mr. Tunney? Yeah, if there's anything that has to do with wrestling that has nothing to do with the WWE, you can pretty well be sure that Andrew Belaz has a column concerning it on thechairshot.com. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at PC Tunny, uh, Three Man Weave, Podcast DWI, This Show, Pod is War. Um, you know. Are you going to work in a new uh, at for CMFT or no? We're not doing that. <laughs> I've already forgotten. <laughs> Good thing this is recorded then. Bob. <laughs> Hey, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Real C Plat. But more importantly, if you enjoy what we do here at thechairshot.com and the content we provide day in and day out, show us some love by going to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and picking up an official chairshot t-shirt. It is the season. You got your wallets and your purses and your handbooks in your hand anyway. You're spending hella money. You might as well spend some on your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion and analysis with attitude bitch by going to the pro com forward slash the chair shot please you, and thank you thank you please you said your own hey, drop man. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i hey, man, for, he's for, like for, i was like i don't even need to wait for somebody to play i'm just gonna say it yeah yeah i am hey for the commissioner pc tunny for mr andrew belaz r.i.p to the man alice trebek go check on betty white Go check on Bob Barker. Make sure they're good. We don't need 2020 taking those melon farmers. But I'm the Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt. Thank you all for tuning in to the latest edition of Pot is War. We'll see you next week. Same Platt time, same Platt channel. Until then, shalom. Hit it, Carly. I don't care. They're going to die and you're going to feel bad. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
I feel like I won the podcast tonight. I feel like I won. Had a great game. No. <laughs> yeah, I set you up again, motherfucker. That was interesting, yeah. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.